love unique passages. And Psalm 45 is just that. It's a psalm that is written not to God as its audience, but the psalmist decided to do something different, to be able to write a psalm to a king on his wedding day. You might be asking yourself, what possibly could we learn from a song that was written for a king on his wedding day? But as I reflected and thought through this passage this week, dove into the fact that it's so unique, and yet it was chosen to be a part of Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the compilers of the canon to choose this particular song to add into our Holy Scriptures. And so there's got to be something there. And what I found myself reflecting on and trying to figure out and was really challenged by a couple of different ideas, which was really neat and, to be honest with you, really unexpected. To be told that, you know, as people who profess that we believe in God, that we want to live out our faith, there's some really challenging things in here. Because, yes, the psalmist starts off like I would do with any supervisor who controls my faith. I would talk sweet, sweet words to them. I would tell them how handsome they are, how, how wonderful they are, how beautiful they are. But then the psalmist reminds the king of who he is and who he's called to be. In fact, in verse 6, it says, Your scepter is of equity. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. These are challenging words. These are challenging words for a king who has to make tough decisions. For a king who on his wedding day is probably not focused on the responsibilities that he has. But it's a reminder that in everything we do, in every place we are, if we say we're going to represent God, if we're going to be who we say we are, and not just talk the talk. Then it matters how we act every day of our lives. It's a lot of pressure. But especially for those of us, like our campus ministry is a reconciling ministry, and like you all, what I'm finding out more and more is that the next generation coming up is once people who when they say something, they mean it. In fact, I had a conversation earlier this evening with some students who said, you know what drives me crazy? Is when people say that they love you. But you can tell that behind their words, there's no actions. There's emptiness. There's hatred. And a desire for them to just be different than who they really are. Hearing that broke my heart. It really did. And I can think of times in my own life when I haven't walked the walk. I've just said words. Not really loved like I should. One time that has really stuck with me and has really formed me as a person was when I had the opportunity to go to South Africa with a missionary and a church planter. The church planner had all-day church meetings that he had to attend, but he asked me, he said, would you like to go with this other person? There's an AIDS hospital 
their people, particularly women, were there struggling and dealing with the AIDS virus and tuberculosis. And there was also an orphanage attached to it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had the opportunity to get out of all day church meetings as a 23 year old, I jumped at that opportunity. And so I went. And I remember walking the halls and stopping in a couple of rooms. But one person in particular changed my life because I failed, honestly, to act with equity and to love righteousness. This person only spoke Zulu. We spoke English. The person I was with only knew enough Zulu to say, repeat after me. And then they led the person in what's known as the sinner's prayer. Forgive me, Jesus, for I am a sinner. I want to spend eternity with you. And they had a person say it in English. This woman had no idea what she was saying. And then instead of sitting there and comforting her, because we knew she was getting ready to pass the other side of eternity, once we had completed having her say this prayer, the person turned to me and said, it's time for us to go. 20 minutes later, I heard the woman screaming in agony as she died. I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. I knew I should have stayed there. I knew I should have held the woman's hand. I knew I should have been there if we, if we had just talked, even though she didn't necessarily maybe know why we were there or who we were. But if we said we were going to be followers of Jesus Christ and we really loved people, we should never have left. And I knew that. My age doesn't excuse it. And it's something that I have regretted every single minute of my life. It's formed me, though. It's helped me grow. And as I read this passage this morning of a king who on his wedding day is being reminded of the fact that he is a person of a movement, he is a person who is called to be a representative of God. Verse 6, it says, your throne, O God. Well, probably it meant your son of God, which would have been something that kings were called. You're a representative of God. And if you do that, your throne's going to endure. If you live out equity, if you love righteousness and hate wickedness, if you live into the fact that you've been anointed by God, you'll make a difference in this world. Later on during the visit at the hospital, I, I promised myself I would never do that again. Pray for forgiveness. Broke my heart. But we had an opportunity to go and to be with orphans, with children. But maybe had a parent in the other part of the hospital, or maybe who had lost a parent. We were told not to touch the kids because of the possibility of tuberculosis or other things that they were going through. Not that it was dangerous for them, but just that we could contract something. And I remember seeing a child just wanting to hold my hand. They reached up. I wouldn't make the same mistake again. So I reached down, 
let the child hold my hand. For me, it was a sign. And that moment that after one of the worst decisions I had made in my life, that I was going to reach down, maybe at a risk to myself, but just love this child. And in that moment, again, I promised myself that I would never go through another moment where I knew what the right thing to do was. When I knew what equity looked like. When I knew what it looked like to love righteousness. When I knew what it looked like to stand against wickedness. And I was not going to feel that way ever again. Because as representatives of God's kingdom, as representatives of God, as members of a reconciling ministry, as people who care about justice, as people who care about the oppressed, who, who say we care and stand with those who are marginalized, we have to do the work. There's a generation on our campus right now who's crying out for people to stand up, for people to be seen, for people to put actions behind the words that they say, to not just say that they care, but to actually do it. And friends, I'm so thankful for communities like yours. I'm thankful for communities like Arise, where we do our very best to be able to live out our lives, but we have to do more. We have to continue to push forward, and we have to make sure that what we say we're going to do, that we actually do it. I don't know necessarily who this king was. There are some different theories as to who it was. But this is a heavy burden. This is a heavy responsibility. And on your wedding day to be reminded that as a person of God, as a person who is being called to live out equity, to love righteousness, to hate wickedness, this passage challenged me. It made me remind me of a story in South Africa. It reminded me of the story earlier this evening of the conversation I had with some students. And it challenges me. The good news is that God is with us. That the God who calls this king, the God who anointed this king, as it says in verse number 7, is the same God who anoints us to go and do the work. And when we're tired, when we fail, when we fall down, when we sin, we're able to get back up again. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is and the calling that God has put on each one of us, both as communities of faith and as individuals. And so this morning, friends, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to take up that challenge to know that you make a difference, to know that you can go out, and that you are needed so desperately in a world that is looking for Christians to live out equity, to live out what it looks like to love righteousness and love people fiercely, to love God boldly, to stand against wickedness in whatever forms they present themselves. Let us be those people, moving with the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.